Hey, it's Lance, your host of yesterday's concert. Before we get this episode started, I want to take 25 seconds to tell you about my other show, Jam Journals. Jam Journals is a podcast that takes you on a journey through music history, featuring live performances from some of the most iconic concerts of all time. Each episode recounts a different concert experience through a dramatic narrative that brings the memories to life with vivid detail and emotion. Join us as we take a trip down memory lane of some of the most unforgettable concerts in recent history. Jam Journals is available everywhere you get podcasts. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. And it might even, we might even find that it was like this like certain pocket like of like 15 years where we all like had to defend rock and roll and feel like you know, it was like we were literally like fighting for rock and roll. Because like obviously now there's some bands out there that are paving the way for rock and roll in ways that I hadn't experienced as a young kid. So like, I think the 15, 16 year olds who love rock and roll right now are having a much better time than we did, which makes me so, so happy. Welcome to Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to singer-guitarist Hannah Wicklund. We discuss growing up on classic rock, the bright future of rock and roll, and her next project. Grab your earplugs, because we're taking those old records off the shelf. And just for my clarity, Wicklund, is that how you say it? Yeah, Hannah Wickland. Okay, I just want to make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. I didn't want to mispronounce your last name. Even I, I mean, I, even I get weird with it. I'm like, how do I say this name? So, I do you it. actually just like say it differently to different people to kind of mess with them? I don't. Not not intentionally. I think sometimes Wickland, Wickland, Wickland. It's like sometimes I think I've always struggled between like because I don't want to go Lund, and I, it's not Lind, but it's a kind of just like it's an I make it sound like that gray area between a U and an I kind of Wickland. Well, that's, I'm just like going to keep this in. That was wonderful. Like that was such a good way to start. So how are you today? I've, we've already discussed this brilliant and beautiful like plant wall that you have behind you. How are, how else are you doing today? You doing all right? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm budding with the spring, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, very happy to see a little bit more sun. It's a little, it's a little cold in Tennessee today, but the flowers are out and all the trees are starting to get their leaves again. So I've, I've been in a very good mood uh, all day. So I'm having a great day. That's awesome. Are you just down the road in Nashville? Is that correct? I am. I am. I'm back in Nashville. I lived here when I was like 19, 20 years old for like a year and a half. And, uh, and then I, I lived nowhere for like three and a half years and, and I've been back now and uh, I'm 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 happy to be back. I I must say Nashville's grown on me more this time around than the first time, and um, I'm hanging out with uh, with you know lovely people, which I think the people of a place are really what make somewhere start to feel like home. So 
Well, and there's such a cool, like, I mean, because I'm just down the road in Memphis, and, like, Nashville has such a cool local music scene now. I mean, like, it's just, people talk about, like, the death of music scenes, but, like, Nashville's music scene is actually thriving, and there's such a good, like, independent just thing going on there. It's just such a great city. I love visiting. Um, so I, I can, I can't blame you. I'm jealous you get to live there. <laughs> it's a good spot. So let's do some icebreakers. Let's get to know each other, have a little fun, uh, just do some silly sure. questions. Uh, so the first question I have for you. What's one classic rock band or classic rock artist that you feel you should be way more acclimated with, but you don't know them that well? Oh, interesting. Ah, this was not the direction of silly that I was anticipating. Oh, you're going to ask me what's my favorite jelly flavor or something weird. Well, like what is your favorite jelly flavor? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's mark oh. that one off. Oh, tough to say because when I'm making th- uh, thumbprint cookies around Christmas time, my favorite is actually the orange marmalade thumbprint cookie. I'm going to go with that, which I think might be more of a jam, but I'm not sure if it's a jam or a we'll, jam. We'll let it slide. Th- All right. That's a, that's a uh, good answer. And as for the, uh, as for this very important classic rock, question, <laughs> who do I feel I should know more about, but don't, Hmm. you know, I'm going to say Steely Dan. Ooh. Yeah. I'll go with Steely Dan. That's a good answer. A lot of people crap on them and I, I don't like it They They deserve more respect. They deserve a oh. lot more respect. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan. I love I love a lot of the the like kind of I don't even know. It's not actually weirder. It's just not as mainstream. But like mm-hmm. oh shit, like Super Tramp. Oh, that's one of my favorite. Yeah. You know, like some of those like mid yeah. uh, classic rock bands. But yeah, Steely Dan. I like it. That's a good answer. So I'm I'm looking at my questions. None of them are silly, except so <laughs> we'll just say these are just fun. Get to know you questions. We'll reframe the context. So next question of all your songs, which guitar solo are you most proud of? Oh, interesting. Um, I would say, you know, there's only a few songs that I play, um, a few songs of mine where I replicate the solo that I recorded in the studio because mm-hmm. I'm such a big fan of jamming and keeping it fresh and changing things up. So I would have to say, though, I really love the guitar solo to Strawberry Moon, which is one that's a song. There are certain songs that you play out live before you record. And and um, with that record, I hadn't played Strawberry Moon out live. So when we were in the studio and and laying that one down, um, I hadn't really and I'm not really like a big like I don't like to practice my solos like I've never like I've, I've never been a big fan of like crafting a solo for a song it's more about uh capturing the more raw and natural expression so even when I'm in the studio it's still an off-the-cuff kind of thing um unless I've like you know worked something out through playing it live but um Strawberry Moon that one I think we only did like three or four passes and i i think if memory serves me correct i think that was the first take first or second take but that solo was just like all the way through which you know I, you have when you're recording an album you have some solos that you you play all the way through and it's like that's that's it and then you have some so, uh, solos that you kind of uh piece together a little bit here and there with different takes but um but strawberry moon was one of those seamless ones and then when i play it live it's just kind of it's got a a lot of dynamics in it and it's it's got some um you know it's just kind of a little fun to kind of like bounce around to so i i say that one how do you approach 
recording guitar solos then do you have like kind of a general framework in mind when you're in the studio or is it just like you get in you get the backing track and you just let it rip and you see what happens you know every song is different every song mm -hmm. is its own unique little world but um i'd say nine times out of ten what's going on is i have the song have the structure i know where the solo is going to be and i either take the solo when we're laying down typically not not all the time but a lot of times i'll track you know the basic tracks live with um bass and drums and rhythm guitar but sometimes i'll want that energy and i'll go and take the solos with the band behind me sometimes i'll wait and i'll do the the rhythm guitar and i'll I'll go back and, and be a little bit more, um, you know, if I, if I know that it's something, it was a longer section or something like that. And I know I really want to take a few stabs at it. I'll, I'll do that on my own and won't make the guys go through it with me too many times. <laughs> well, so on the flip side of that, what do you think is your best vocal performance? Oh, um, off of music that's already been released. I, mm, you know, I don't know. And it's it's got to be shadow boxes and porcelain faces, right? That's like that I, one's just dynamic. Like yeah, that one's pretty great. I'll, I'll say that one. That was also the the beginning of me really getting in touch with parts of my voice that weren't just belting out rock and roll songs. Hmm. I love 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 the classic rock and love what I was brought up on, which I I like to say I kind of put it in the framework of like I was listening to more of the Janis Joplin, Heart you know, that angle of things and um, not as much of the Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez kind of mm -hmm. flavor of things. Um, so I'd say Shadow Boxes was kind of a turning point where I kind of like leaned in and allowed the ultra feminine soft mm -hmm. side of my voice to kind of poke through. So, so yeah, let's go with that. Shadow Boxes. I like it. Good job. I like it. So <laughs> next question, we're going to get some dirt here. Do you have any guilty oh. pleasure artist? And just since I'm asking this deep question, I'm going to be full disclosure. I, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but mine is Brad Paisley. Like I can get down with some Brad Paisley. He's a, he's a ripping guitar player. He is a ripping guitar player, but the music is just a little, <laughs> it's a little silly. So I can't, I can't name a Brad Paisley song, but I, my dad has shown me when I was younger. I remember him showing me a few Brad Paisley guitar solos. He could rip. These cool guitars and the beautiful guitars he has. Love them. Well, the first one that comes to mind is Mud on My Tires. So that tells you a lot about where his songs are going. So country, that, he's a country man, you know? He's a, he is a country man. Country he man. is a country man. Yeah, mud on those tires. Um, let's see. Guilty Pleasure. Oh, I gotta be honest. I mean, I'm definitely pretty. Oh, oh, I know who I know who my boyfriend would say is my guilty okay. pleasure, which I just disagree because I think and, and I will say I only know this one record of theirs. I literally have never listened to anything outside of this one record. But it, my dad had the CD in the car and I know every word. I don't really know the Spanish parts. I kind of you know, probably I'm butchering it, trying to sing along to that part, but Los Lonely Boys. <laughs> That's oh, a good you one. Left. You That's left. a good one. Uh, what was that? Uh, what was their big song? Heaven? Was that their yeah. big one? How far, How far is heaven? heaven? Oh, it's so good. But all, they have a lot of good songs. And you they, know what? Yeah. I love, the, I love the musicianship on that record. That record also came out in like early, mid 
like 2000s. So it was, it was some like really nice sounding authentic music, you know, in a time where like, I think like, isn't that when Britney Spears was still kind of cranking out? You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, music, the pop was especially detached, I think at that point from any kind of super authentic instrumentation. So yeah. my mind, uh, Los Lonely Boys did us all a real big favor and I love them and I love that record and I will sing it at the top of my lungs every time I hear it and embarrass the shit out of <laughs> whomever is with me. I don't care. I that's a fantastic I haven't thought about them in at least 15 years. So that's such a <laughs> I great think throwback. Most people have and it's heartbreaking. I love uh the guitar playing is also phenomenal. I love yeah. I love a record where I want to sing along to the guitar solos as much as I want to sing along to the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So they win. They're awesome. That's a great one. That's a really good one. I, I like that a lot. Good answer. Okay. So the last one, and this is a heavy one and it, it's a very serious one. All right. Stones or the Beatles. Oh, you got to pick one. It was very easy, very quick. You know, for me, it's, it's hard a little bit, but not really that hard. The Beatles. Okay. The Beatles were when I was three years old, I started playing piano and, uh, and my dad got me a Beatles Easy Play Today book. And it was just this like very, very, very basic, you know, not the actual um, piano parts to the song. But what was cool is it was like just the chords on the left hand and like basically the vocal melody, whatever mm -hmm. the main melody of the song was, was on the right hand. And this was before YouTube and before it was like really easy. We didn't have like a CD player out where my piano was because I started on classical like doing classical stuff, but the Beatles was just like what I did for fun with my dad. So I, it was really great because I basically, like I started learning Beatles songs that I had never heard before. And this book was so cool, I still have it. Cause it just deconstructed it in such a simple way that I could just like get the vibe and get the gist of the song and start playing it. And uh, so the Beatles were for sure my first and biggest influence, especially when it comes to like songwriting and that style of like that style of rock and roll. Like I think Tom Petty also kind of taps into that mm. more like wholesome, heartwarming, heartfelt, not singing about like the rock and roll, you know, like it's like rock mm. and roll without being about rock and roll. And mm. that's that's what I love the most, which, you know, the Rolling Stones, I mean, they're the Rolling Stones, love them, yeah. amazing. The, the first three songs that my band ever played were uh, Rockin' in the Free World, Neil Young, Satisfaction, The Rolling Stones, and TNT, ACDC. So, um, and my band was The Steppin' Stones, which was 100%. People used to think we were like a monkey's tribute band or something. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like how, do you, how do you go from, how do you skip over The Rolling Stones and go straight to The Monkees for their one song? I was, and so, but for some reason through the years, I really never heard people be like, oh, like The Rolling Stones? And somehow mm -hmm. I was like, wow, how did I evade that? Because in my mind, especially, you know, I was eight when I named the band, but in hindsight, it's like, oh, The Steppin' Stones, The Rolling Stones, <laughs> how original Hannah, you know? So, <laughs> so obviously both, but uh mm -hmm. I'll go Beatles. What about you? Oh, oof. It, I think it depends. I think, you know, like kind of picking a favorite artist 
it comes with seasons. Like there's definitely times where like, I'm definitely all in on the Beatles. Like my dad, his favorite band is the Beatles. And like, we got to see Paul McCartney together. And that's like a, a like a memory. I really, really treasure is getting to see Paul McCartney with my dad. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I've seen the stones a couple of times and like, they're, they're just phenomenal, even at their age now, uh, you know, and they just have so many, not to dismiss the Beatles because they have just as many, but like the stones have so many just classic songs that really, like dominated classic rock radio when I was growing up. And, yeah. you know, there's so many memories attached to just driving around my small town in Mississippi while listening to the Rolling Stones. Like It's just hard. I don't know. And I went through a massive Rolling Stones phase where it was like, for like three months, I like all I did was read Keith, Keith Richards biography, listening to the Rolling Stones and then like go see them play live. So it was, that's really, I don't know. It's all connected to memories. And, it, you know, if I'm with my dad, it's probably the Beatles. If I'm on my own, it's probably the Rolling Stones. So I was going to say from hearing what you how you just talked about it. I mean, it seems like seems like the Stones have your heart. They do. I I I love I mean I I'm a dumb rock kind of guy. Like I love stupid rock like ACDC and we stuff like that. We all do. We all we all love that. If you like rock and roll, you have to appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Like put on some Ted Nugent every now and then and like it's still a good time. Like All right. you know. And you're definitely going in you're definitely going into <laughs> that extreme territory here, but but I'll let you I'll let you get away with it. That's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so let's talk about classic rock. Your dad introduced you to classic rock? Is that how you came into it? Of course. Yes. I uh I have him to thank. Was it kind of like a you were riding around growing up with him and he had it on the radio and that's kind of how you're introduced or was he like, "Hey, Hannah, Here's the Beatles. Listen to the Beatles. Like, what was the kind of experience there? Definitely the second one. It's cool because, like, you know, my brother's seven years older than me, and he started playing drums when he was three and uh, started his band when he was 12. And so, like, I grew up, literally, I don't remember any time in my – I don't have any memories that there wasn't, like, band practice going on at my house. Um, cause we were the house that all the bands got together and, and did everything at. So, you know, it's like, I, I got to, I got to witness my brother actively playing out, you know, these classic rock songs and hearing them working them up. And I like heard and got to be like, a, yeah, I got to sit in on their band practice. And like, I used to go to their, their shows as like a six year old and be sitting in the booth at midnight. My parents were both sober. They've been sober my whole life. And so it was, a, it was, I was very safe and it was, you know, a sleepy little vacation town. But yeah, so it was like, to me, there was like no other music. Like that was like the only thing that I like knew of and thought that existed. And, and uh, between my dad and my brother, they were both always showing me something. So I was, I've, I've been very lucky that I, I just kind of got to absorb everything, which in a lot of ways I joke around, like, I don't think I'm a very good music fan. Cause like, well, I'm the baby. So like when you're the baby, like you're just like, people are, you know, like showing you and like, it's different. You don't have to like find as many things on your own if you're not trying to do that, you know? And I was very happy, loved the music. So I was just like, letting them just shower me in, in music. And at this point still in my life, I like other people to DJ and I want, I want to hear what other people are listening. And I like to find my new music from other people and like what they're putting on as opposed to me, like hunting for it. It's not, that's not natural for me because of how, how much of like a friendship I had over music with my dad.
Yeah, so so my dad 100% gets all of the blame or credit, whichever way you want to look at Well, do you think like when you were so little listening and just kind of digesting all of that music, do you think it was kind of like, hey, my dad likes this, so therefore I'm going to like it? Or were you attracted to it and you were like, wow, these the guitar is so loud and it just really roped you in? What kind of attracted you to it? I would say it was probably both. I mean, my dad is my best friend to this day. He's mm. like n- number one, number one. And so there's definitely an element, especially with like choosing to like totally pursue music. I I decided when I was 12 years old that I wasn't going to go to college. You know, I was a really good student. I had skipped a grade because of, you know, good grades already. And I just was like, I, I know that this is what I want to do. And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the reason why it was so easy to just like make that decision and like go so hard down this path is because I knew that it made my dad so happy. And I had such, such unbridled support from him and my mom and from, you know, my whole family that it was just like, kind of, kind of a no brainer in a lot of ways to, to pursue this because I definitely recognized that I was very lucky to have the type of support system that I did going into um, such an artistic path you know my mom's an artist and understood it and all of those things so well did you ever go through a phase like preteen, early teen whatever where you rebelled and you're like well I don't want to do what my parents did I want to go find my own path and listen to punk rock or Britney Spears did you ever have that experience or was that just no because well you know music and like classic rock especially became so much part of my identity at a very young age because I started the band gosh I think that was at the beginning or or I think it was at the end of third grade that I started the band and it was at the end of fourth grade that I I skipped into a um the next realm and I was definitely I find myself talking about it more often as I get older I tried you know not to take the bully route but I definitely had a really hard time in school and I was very, very bullied for having the band. Um, and like, you know, I would like the the one that really sticks, you know, like, like literally would have people say like, go back to fourth grade, Hannah Montana. And like, I had my band before Hannah Montana was out. It was so <laughs> annoying. And um, no, no, no dissing though. I, I definitely have grown to have a, a an appreciation for Miley Cyrus. For oh, sure. fantastic artist. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. But, uh, but anyways, so early on like i like if i was going to be doing this and like going out and playing because i was playing out in the community all the time so like it would be so like i'd see kids who like didn't like me out with their parents and their parents would make them watch me with them and i could just see them while i'm playing on stage just they're like disgust or like they're like oh like do i Mm -hmm. have to be here right now like that was like my experience with my peers all the way until I graduated from high school and so I pretty much like like that was my identity like because like if I was going to be doing that and if people were going to be you know like making fun of me at school for it then like I had to just like completely go into it you know I couldn't Mm -hmm. like have it just be part of what I did so um in in a lot of ways I think I I dived so deep into the classic rock thing and that, you know, then I kind of became like, I was definitely the girl saying like, you know, that I hated pop music and I hated rap and I was like dissing all this other stuff. But, you know, 
I, I think it's basic psychology at this point from my understanding. It's like if people are make fu making fun of you for being one thing and you're feeling backed into a corner, then like you're going to make that your whole identity and you're going to like start pushing back and, and dissing on the other stuff, which is exactly the position I found myself in. And so um, so it's been it's been funny because I. I've now in an older age, I've totally softened my vocabulary when it comes to other music and, and just things in general. So it kind of did the opposite of the re rebellious phase when it comes to like the music. And I honestly didn't rebel against my parents. I, I have, I have always had a really awesome relationship with them and they've always, they've always treated me like an adult and really respected me from the time I can ever remember. They've valued my opinion and, and given me all the information and let me make my own decisions. So, so yeah, long winded answer, but no, no rebellious phase, just digging in and, and rebelling more against my peers than my parents. We had like, we have the same exact story. Like, I mean, like the whole time you were speaking, I was like, this resonates so hard with me. I mean, like, cause that's what, like, once I'd got turned on to classic rock when I was a preteen, kind of in that age, like I leaned so heavily into it. I mean, like every single shirt I owned was a classic rock band. I, I did not talk about any. Yes. Like I had, yes. All over my backpack, my binders had like Led Zeppelin logos on them. Like, I mean, I le like, I hated anything that wasn't like pre like Nirvana like I hated everything or like, exactly. yeah, yes. or post Nirvana. Yeah. So like I, I hated everything. And that's what like, I'd never, my peers never understood me. Like I never felt like I could get along with people in my class because we had such, and music meant so much to me that I can never talk to other people about it because people, I would feel so isolated. Mm -hmm. So you, you were talking about the bully and earlier, was that kind of your experience as well, that you were kind of isolated in your music taste with that outside of your family? Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm from, you know, I'm from a, a very Southern, very well-to-do, well-off community, which, you know, it just kind of, I, I just say that because it definitely had a little bit more of like the hive mind, you know, like the more of the sorority fraternity culture. Like once you found your friends in elementary school, like you, like a lot of people stayed in those group, mm -hmm. you know, groups of friends and stuff. And so there was not you know, I actually was, I, I had another interview earlier today and, and I was talking with her about how I think that there's definitely been a, an obvious new wave and resurgence of rock and roll, but like real rock and roll. But now young kids actually have community that's like actively happening and people are actively releasing music, which is what I didn't have and what you didn't have back then, because there was not like, there was the rock and tours. Mm -hmm. Like they were, they were, kicking ass and the white stripe, but there wasn't like as much of a, a whole scene happening. And so now I feel like there's so much more for you to actively like get involved with that. It's hopefully like a different vibe, but definitely back then, like 2008, you know, 2007, 2006, like pop was definitely very pop at the time. Yeah. It was, it was a very, very lonely Island of, loving the music that I did and um it's still so funny to me looking back and thinking about how much I got made fun of for my style and music and stuff because music taste is so it, it there's so much music now how can you you know what mm -hmm. I mean it's such a funny thing to give people flack over but yet they do 
you talking about that? Like I, when I was in high school, it was, I was on the tail end of new metal and like the strokes and everything like that. That was kind of the, the dying, the, you know, the death rattle for rock and roll. Cause I mean, it was very much like you saw the rise of Lady Gaga and all these other, you know, in retrospect, I can say phenomenal artists, mm-hmm. but at the time it was very much like there was a big separation there. And, you know, it's taken me a lot of time to come back and say like, oh, this was actually good music. And I missed out on a lot of great music at the time. Mm-hmm. But did did you ever feel like, like, especially since you're younger and classic rock is twice, three times our age. Did you ever feel like there was like a gatekeeping, like when you were talking to other fans or older fans who may have saw Led Zeppelin live or anything like that? Did you ever feel like gatekeeping was something people were putting on you? You know, I've heard this term so often and I definitely understand it but would you mind giving me exactly what you what you mean when you say gatekeeping in this sure. context yeah so uh the other day i was getting my car washed and i had a kiss shirt on i love kiss like we were talking about dumb rock so i was getting my car washed and there was this guy who's probably in his late 40s early 50s that was managing the car wash and he's like man what do you know about kiss I see. I was like, I've seen Kiss five times. I've followed him them before. Like, I love Kiss. And he was like, oh, well, I've never seen him. I was like, okay, then back off, buddy. So that's <laughs> the kind of like, have you ever had those kind of confrontations where people, because of your age? No, I've never had. No, I'm just kidding. No, I was like, well, <laughs> I how? Have, uh, no, I, I think... I think we've all unfortunately had that experience and you know, there's plenty of crotchety old men out there Mm -hmm. and uh, can't let them ruin it for the rest of us. I, yeah, I mean, I think that stuff is very silly. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that when I was a 14 year old, 15 year old dumbass, I didn't have like my own version Mm -hmm. of that probably when it came to other people, my own age, you know, like, cause that is kind of the, that's kind of a thing when it comes to the classic rock thing, especially when you are, 11 10 11 years old playing that music out holy shit (laughs) i mean i i I grew up i spent more time out in public with like strangers coming up and just saying getting to say whatever they wanted to me Than I, you know, care to think about. And so the amount of times that I had, you know, after dudes see me like come up and try and condescend or like mm-hmm. do almost like that, like gatekeeping, like weird energy. And you just have to take, you know, yeah, it's part of it. But like mm-hmm. there's weird people who are going to have weird things to say or just try and make you feel something that's not pleasant. And it's just, yeah, just brush it off because it's it happened to me so much yeah. as like a tiny young little girl that that i yeah i i've lost track you know kind of on the other end of it like we were talking about like i took such ownership and pride over being a classic rock fan in high school that when people did listen to the more modern rock or the pop or whatever i was like well your music sucks and i had a superiority to my music is that something you kind of experienced as well like i'm like my tastes are better than yours Oh, for sure. I mean, I was, yeah, I was young and totally had a superiority complex when it came to my taste in music. You know, I think, I think when you're that passionate about something that is, you know, that you're also simultaneously getting made fun of, you know, like it's just, it's, it's just like anything else. If it wasn't music, it could be anything, you know, you're going to develop this, like almost like a territorial thing around it you know like and, and it's it's a natural thing but 
but obviously getting older and, and listening to more music and meeting more people and just like just living in general makes you, um, if you're interested in growth and development, um, I think usually just softens us up, but I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're very rare. The, and it might even, we might even find that it was like this, like certain pocket, like of like 15 years where, mm-hmm. you know, we all like had to defend rock and roll and feel <laughs> like, you know, it was like, we were literally like fighting for rock and roll, you know, like, I think hopefully, cause like, obviously now, um, there's some bands out there, um, that are paving the way for rock and roll in ways that I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. as a young kid. So like, I think the 15, 16 year olds who love rock and roll right now are having a much better time than mm-hmm. we did, which makes me so, so happy. I am, I'm so thrilled to see the amount of young people and especially the amount of young women that are playing music and playing guitar and starting bands and just like doing the thing. And in the, inside the music industry, like I've been in the industry industry side for like eight years and just the over the last eight years seeing the amount of women in the industry side and like how many women are getting involved and how many people i'm meeting at shows that are like asking me questions about like nashville and getting involved in the scene like there's there's definitely like a a really strong rock and roll force brewing i think and so um very grateful to be a part of it and get to witness it well, I mean, seeing Phoebe Bridger smash her guitar on Saturday Night Live is still like a highlight of my life. Like, I mean, that like I wish I could have been in the audience for that one. That one was such a like, man, I felt that. And then to see people getting mad online, I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is so rock and roll. Like everything about this is so fantastic. Is, yeah, exactly. She's badass. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. Oh, my God. She don't even get me started on her. <laughs> but I mean, you kind of touched on it. Like there is kind of a resurgence of rock. And I think that's kind of the how the internet has kind of spaced this out to be able to find our own niches. Now, I think artists, I mean, artists like a Phoebe Bridgers or someone can have such a niche now that they can grow in popularity. Whereas when we were in high school and growing up, I don't think that was so much the case. We, the internet wasn't anything like it is today, but I do see like, when I read articles about you, I see the references to like rock and roll is back. The guitar is never dead. How does, how did those references make you feel in relation to your name? Oh, I mean, I, I, that's very flattering and, and um, it's very nice to be, you know, kind of lumped in with the the going on, the goings on, <laughs> going ons, goings ons, uh, the, the, modern, the happenings, you know, the happenings. Thank you. That is much pleasant. Uh, the words, the words are not working anymore. I'm hitting that point today. <laughs> I realized. Um, no, I mean, it is, it is very flattering and obviously you know, as a, as a woman, I really enjoy the guitar playing aspect, you know, like, cause I, that was basically when I was younger, I had a lot of, a lot more, um, you know, idols when it came to female vocals than I did for female guitar playing. And so I always said that I would rather be known as the girl that plays guitar than the girl that sings. Mm. And uh, so it's definitely very humbling to um, have gotten to a point where my guitar playing is able to be 
you know, talked about in its own right um, outside of like, you know, my vocals or my songwriting. And obviously now at this point in my career, if you were to ask me, I would say, well, I want to be known as the girl who sings, plays and writes, you know, like I, obviously, which which I do. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, my songwriting is going to keep on keep on developing like my guitar playing. But um, but it does feel good because that was a goal of mine as a young little girl. And I feel like that's something that I can kind of Mm-hmm. check off the old bucket list so i mean when i think about like 16 year old lance and his like classic rock fueled brain and the, to be able to be able to say i've seen you know paul mccartney kiss the rolling stones and all these other bands in person like i i didn't see them when i was a teenager when i was really growing up those have all been pretty much the last 10 or 12 years i it, to me i'm like dude he would be so happy to know that i get to see all those people how do you think your like teenage self would know, like feel to see where you are now and the success you've had? Oh, I know that. Yeah, I'm. I'd be very proud. I mean, I know I'm. I'm. I am proud of myself. You know, I also have had. You know, in some regards, in this industry, there's such a such a high ceiling and such a high ceiling of success that you know you have you have all different versions in your brain when you're young of what it'll look like. And um, I will say, my path has been uh far rockier um and a little more brutal than i probably would have uh written out in a perfect world and seen for myself but um so honestly i'd say that that i'm really proud of myself for the successes that everyone has seen up to this point but um i think i'm probably most proud of myself for handling the disappointments and some of those because everybody sees the the peaks the thing that we as artists really try to hide from everybody are those valleys so yeah so i think ultimately like my 16 year old self would be proud but i don't think that she would know to be as proud of me Mm. for the harder things as she should be so man that was that was beautiful wow thank you for sharing that that was awesome (laughs) thank you you know going on that that kind of that frame of thought, like, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. I'm That's sorry. What happens when you start getting all gushy and and uh, and deep, and all emotional? It starts fucking shit up. I, I, it so moved me. I just couldn't, you know. I, I started thinking about that. So, I mean, talking about like your your failures and the things that people haven't seen that have pushed you, but don't you think that's? I, I think as a fan of music and somebody who observes a lot of music, I think I think I understand the peaks a little better better now. And I think what I struggle with is when artists do an exploratory album or something that doesn't work out, that ends up being a low point for them. As a fan, it's difficult to see like, oh, they're really struggling with this right now, or this didn't turn out like they hoped it would. And so I think seeing the lows of an artist, we can appreciate the peaks a little better as fans of music. Oh, yeah, certainly. And I think that once had a long enough career or had enough time between when somebody becomes your fan and then you know hopefully they stay your fan for a long time um it's a lot easier and you can kind of track that more organically like i'm sure if you've been tracking my career since i was you know 13 which i have a lot of people who have um in that scope in the last 13 years you might be able to understand where my valleys are and where you might be able to just look at kind of and be able to maybe just guess where some of my low points in my years. But obviously somebody who's coming in 
you know, in the last year or two is going to see my career in a totally different light. And they, it might take them longer to experience a valley with me or something. But, you know, at this point, my last record came out in 2018, which was five years ago. And so, you know, getting this new record out and and getting it kind of that this has been a beautiful valley mm. and a very nice and in some ways, you know, very necessary break and valley time. But yeah, I will say that I, I am very looking forward to getting this new record out and and returning to, in my mind, um, more of a peak moment. Mm. What, so, I mean, that when is the the people are clamoring? When when is this coming out? When <laughs> what, when can we expect this new music? You know, I will be letting y'all know just as soon as oh. I know. I am, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping to have uh, the first single out here relatively soon. What I can say, though, undoubtedly, is that it is my favorite music I have ever written. It's my favorite music I've ever recorded. It sounds, oh, it sounds so good. I am so, so proud of it in, um, in a much deeper way than any other project. Every other project I've done, I've literally had like basically 10 days or less in the studio and I've been on a super tight budget mm. and a super tight timeline and this record has been about as opposite of that as you could possibly get mm. especially in the time frame you know um I I went into the studio the first like actual recorded stuff that is used on this record was put down two and a half years ago all of the songs were written basically by the end of 2018. So I've been sitting on this record and these songs for many years. And I will say too, though, it is it has afforded me the opportunity this like long time to really get in touch with myself in my full artist form and not just in my musician form, because I also do visual art. And I, you know, in the records that I put out when I was a teenager with the Stepping Stones, um, I did the album artwork, you know, and like that was something that was super natural. And I, I drew the designs that were on our t-shirts we were selling. And that was something that I had done very organically from the very beginning. And then, and then when I was 19, 20, kind of just got so busy and, and priorities and like the business was happening in such a crazy way that I kind of took a huge, I took a huge step back from any of my visual art and, um, plugging that little puzzle piece back into myself. Like, you know, that's a really weird way of putting that. <laughs> um, but basically I, by doing my art again and, and letting my visual expression become super tied in with my musical expression, I feel the best that I've ever felt like as an adult. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. Like I'm I'm feeling so secure in myself and like I really have figured out my path and that maybe this all happened for, you know, a certain reason and you know, so so I will say that is that it may have taken a long time, but there's going to be more than just music that comes with this record. And there's like a whole it's a whole world. So hopefully everyone else will feel like it's been worth the wait. I'm certainly working on making it worth a five-year wait. I can't think of a better place to wrap up because that was the most mountaintop ending that we could possibly have. That was wonderful. 
<laughs> so that's I am very excited to hear it. I, I look forward to the day that it drops. I will be uh, one of your first people to listen to it. Uh, so thank you so much for talking today. I, I have I can't wait to see you live in person and we can maybe talk classic rock in person. But this was really wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Hey, I really appreciate it. This was a blast. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for listening to another episode of my show. For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals. If you're feeling kind, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And check us out on all the social media platforms. Email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com or visit our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. So until next time, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.